baseball in October is upon us, and you know what that means. The college football schedule is heating up with big games and school scene, the ranking at stake. Our crew of Gary Seegers, Parker Fleming, and Kyle Hunter have looked at the early games, and coming up, we'll examine the late games, which features Alabama against Ole Miss in a rivaling SEC competition. You want to pay close attention to Kyle Hunter, who has been named Handicapper of the Decade by Capper Reviews. You'll get this insight and much more coming up in a few seconds. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week five. It is part two. It's time for us to discuss the afternoon and the evening slate, and I could not be more excited. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And let me go ahead and introduce our experts on the show, the BetUS experts, where the game begins. Of course, on the right side, we've got Kyle Hunter, award-winning professional handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter, at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, I, I feel like this is going to be a good week. How you feeling this morning? Feeling good, man. We got some huge games to talk about today. Let's go. You got that right. And Parker Fleming on the left. You can follow him at Stats of War, our numerical guru, as I like to call him, our statistical analyst, the guy with the numbers. Uh, Parker, you feeling good? I, I know you were out in the elements last night. I'm feeling great. Went to a little concert. It was 40 degrees. Got in touch with uh, my inner uh, inner outdoorsman last night a little bit. And uh, Gary, I've got to say, we're on week five of this show, which means we've done you know two preview weeks, so seven weeks of shows. And you've had an opportunity to call me the the resident nerd like six times. And you said analytical guru, guy with the numbers, and I'm just flattered, Gary. I love that. Let's talk some football today. It's, as much as I love numbers, I would never call you a nerd. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, so with that said, let's go ahead and, and dive into the recap from last week. Go ahead and let you know exactly what we have done thus far on the season. We are, so far, 48-40-4 overall. I am 17-11-2 out of 30 picks. Kyle is 14-8 and eight out of 22 picks. And Parker, 17-21 and 21 out of 40 picks. So we are profitable on the season if you have followed every single pick. We are rocking and rolling. There will be dips. There will be mountaintops. There will be all kinds of stuff throughout the season. Remember, it is not a sprint. This is a marathon. It's an entire season. So make sure and bet responsibly. We'll go ahead and let you know, if you are watching, we appreciate you. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel and hit that notification bell while you're at it. That lets you know when we go live. It's every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time and every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We make sure and hit the early slate on the Wednesday show and the afternoon and evening slate on the Thursday show. Uh, so hit that notification bell. And I do see a lot of people watching right now. Not a lot of likes on the video yet, but that's okay. You got time. Go ahead and hit that like button for us. It certainly helps us out on YouTube very much. So jump into the chat. We will have a Q and a at the end of the show. Any games that we did not hit on, we will jump in with that Q and a, if you guys are interested. So we also would like to hear your picks on each of these games. We're going to give you our opinions, but we also want to hear yours as well. So dive into the chat, dive into the comments, even after the show is done being live. Uh, it will be archived. You can watch it, you know, all weekend, whatever you'd like to do. But jump in, tell us when we're right, tell us when we're wrong, give us your thoughts on these picks. I do want to remind you, make sure and sign up at BetUS. There is a link in the description that makes it very easy to do, but you can use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% sign-up bonus 
up to $2,500. That is an absurd rate, my friends. Go ahead and get signed up, and it will. Uh, it's sportsbook exclusive. I got to make sure I put that in there. So you're going to be able to bet on sports with it. It's not casino. It's not whatever. This is to gamble on football and whatever else you would like to. We, I know we got NBA coming up. We got all kinds of shows coming up as well. But NFL, college football, college basketball, whatever. It's all right there at BetUS where the game begins. Gentlemen, let's go ahead and fire in with the first game. And it is a monster matchup. Ole Miss heads to Tuscaloosa to face off against number one ranked Alabama. The Tide is a 14 and a half point favorite. Total sits at a whopping 79 and a half. Last year, these teams went up and down the field on each other. Alabama had a ridiculous, like 94% available yards rate. Just ridiculous. 63 to 48 was the final in that one. Uh, the two best quarterbacks in the country, maybe. It, it's kind of what it looks like between Bryce Young and Matt Corral. Ole Miss beat Alabama in 2014 and 2015. Uh, since then, have not beaten them, but they have come close a couple of times. Alabama 2-5 and five against the spread against Ole Miss in their last seven. They are 0-2 oh against the number in their last two. Bama 8-2 and two against the spread their last 10 as a home favorite. Ole Miss 2-3 and three against the spread as a dog under Lane Kiffin. Now, remember, he just started last season. But this is a fun matchup. If for no other reason than you have two conflicting personalities in Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban, Remember, Kiffin was the offensive coordinator at Alabama 2014 through 2016. Two of those years, they lost to Hugh Freeze and the Ole Miss Rebels. Straight up. Not not against the number, just straight up lost to them. It might be part of the reason why he took the job. Guys, there are so many storylines with this, whether it's the sign-stealing accusations from last season that Alabama levied against Ole Miss, all kinds of different things that we could talk about. Uh, Parker, let me go ahead and start with you on this. Uh, this is a monster matchup. This total is absurd, uh, but should we expect anything less than these teams going up and down the field on each other? This game is one that we have had circled since it happened last year. Um, just absolutely crazy. You think about Gary, one of the defining moments of, of, of college football in the modern era was Nick Saban asking after, after winning an Ole Miss game in 2012, is this what you want football to be? And that wasn't him saying, what are we doing here? That's saying, if that's how you want me to beat you, that's what we're going to do. Uh, Ole Miss, in, or, uh, excuse me, Alabama in four games leading up to that, that 2012 game, scored 23, 22, 33, 25 points, uh, and then 17 against Ole Miss. Since then, they've scored 37, 48, 66, 62, 59, 63. I expect fireworks here. 80 is a ton of points. Um, but, man, I really like both of these quarterbacks. One thing that I'm most impressed about this matchup, Gary, is Bryce Young under pressure might be the most surprising college football performance of the year. And Bryce Young is good. We had expectations for him. He's making seven figures with NIL. The ceiling is very high. I don't know that anyone could have predicted that he would look this good under pressure. Um, 37.4% of his dropbacks, he's been pressured. 75.8 adjusted completion percent, Gary. He is either getting rid of the ball quickly and, and, and not taking a sack, or he is finding a way to extend the play with his legs. He looks so comfortable. Um, I think that's the key matchup because I really like Alabama's offensive line here. I like that they aren't worried about keeping in extra guys in pass protection, uh, protection, excuse me, because they know Bryce Young does so well with with um, pressure that they can, you know, have four wide receivers and have a running back leak out and and, and gain yards there. So I expect a, a ton of things from this. Lane Kiffin has been almost respect, uh, almost almost too respectful uh, talking to this game and complimenting Alabama players. It's a little bit weird. 
Um, but yeah, I have I have this one. You know, I have this one hitting the over uh, just just barely. I have Alabama by a touchdown just barely. But you've got the fourth best offense in EPA and the second best offense in EPA. One thing that might be the way um, the way that Ole Miss can can win this game is by taking what they can on for early downs and going for those big explosive shots that Lane Kiffin likes so much but then doing really well on third and fourth downs. Alabama hasn't necessarily struggled on defense, but they are 46th in the nation, allowing 40% conversion on third and fourth downs. Ole Miss is sixth in the nation at converting almost 60% rate. And so that um, Lane Kiffin, knowing that he has a, a really good third down success rate, I think will take a lot more early down shots. And if they can hit, I expect this game uh, to, to score a ton of points uh, overall. I tend to agree with you. Now, you did bring up that uh, that you like Alabama's offensive line. I'm a little wary of it. it you said the pressure rate was, what, like 37%? Seems yes. kind of high. Uh, but but if you can trust your quarterback to be able to get out of trouble when there is pressure like that, then, yeah, why not? I mean, it it, it is what it is with that bunch. I, I don't know what to think of them currently. Uh, it, this game does scare me a little bit. The line is kind of ridiculously high. It started at 20. So it was. It opened at 20 in the preseason. Was uh, was bet down, bet down, bet down, and now it's sitting at just over a touchdown. You get uh, two touchdowns in the hook. Excuse me. Uh, I, I do wonder. This seems like it could be insanely volatile. Kyle, I'm gonna get you in here. You brought up Parker the the third and fourth down success rate for Ole Miss. I feel like Lane is gonna have to take a lot of chances, and with taking a lot of those risks, Kyle, maybe you agree with me. This game could be a three-touchdown win for Alabama, or it could be an outright Ole Miss win. Is that how you feel about this? Yeah, I do. I think there's plenty of variance in a game like this where uh, nothing too much would surprise us here other than a low-scoring game, right? That would be pretty shocking. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a total set this high, it's hard to take an over. You know, um, I would take the over before I take the under. I mean, I can't imagine who's excited to bet the under in a game like this, but you know, last year's Bama Ole Miss contest was really exciting. I would think this will be really exciting as well. And I think it's fair to say Alabama's probably not quite as good as they were last year. Ole Miss is probably better than they were last year. Uh, the question is Ole Miss's defense. How much better are they actually than what they were last year? On paper so far, they look quite a bit better, but we're going to find out in this game how much better they are because to be fair, you know, they, they've only played Louisville, Tulane, and an FCS team. Uh, big difference here with Bryce Young and the, the Bama offense being excellent once again. You know, I, I think Ole Miss's offensive line probably doesn't get enough credit. If you look at Ole Miss on their offensive line, they're top 20 in both pass and run blocking grade. Um, you know, this is a team that's seventh in yards per carry and seventh at PFF in rushing grade. Matt Corral gets very, very high praise, and he deserves it. Uh, I feel like, you know, when we talked on our preview shows about Dustin Crum being our adopted uh, G5 quarterback for the Bet U.S. College Football Show. So far, he hasn't looked very good, but we also talked about Matt Corral. Uh, that one's looked really good so far. So uh, Corral is either the co-favorite or the favorite for the Heisman at this point. And I know we don't talk about that too much because, you know, it's not a specific game. But if you're a Heisman better, this is the game that's going to matter a lot because here's your two co-favorites coming into this game. Even if Ole Miss loses... If Matt Corral has a really big game, he could be the clear favorite um, after this one. You know, I'd have to take the points here if I was betting aside because I feel like this is a lot of points. Now, obviously, it's easier to get margin with a total set like this, but 
you know, Ole Miss's offense is so efficient. I, I don't think Alabama will be able to slow them down very consistently. Now, I question highly whether um, Alabama will get stopped much at all either here as well. But, you know, th this is the – I think Ole Miss has a slightly better offense than does Alabama, and maybe that's controversial, maybe not. I think Alabama has a better defense and better special teams. To me, I would lean toward taking the points. I cannot bet the total with a total set this high. So, um you know, you can't bet the under, like I said, hard to bet the over. More than anything, though, guys, I'm just excited to see this game. Same here. I am pumped about this one. So we'll we'll move to the official play on this, and the official play here is nothing. None of us feels confident enough in either side or the total. It's just going to be a fun game to watch. So if, if I – you know what? I'm not even going to say it. I don't even know which way I would lean. Every time I talk about it, I feel one way or the other because I could see any different thing happening in this. So we'll uh, we'll go ahead and move off of Ole Miss, Alabama, and we're moving to another fascinating game, Army at Ball State. Now, this one probably not going to have as many points. The total sits at 47.5. Ball State, a 7.5-point dog at home. I feel like the the books are underestimating Army Again, Ball State has looked awful this year, uh, but let's get into some betting trends. Ball State 6-14 and 14 against the spread their last 20 as a home dog. Army 6-3 and three in their last nine as a road favorite. 9-4 and four against the spread in their last 13 as a favorite overall. Uh, Ball State covered five straight to close 2020, looked outstanding, but they are 0-4 against the numbers so far in 2021. Their rushing defense has been awful. They're giving up 5.3 yards per rush. That's number 107 in the country. I, guys, I, I don't know. What, people are still buying into Ball State as the team that we saw last year that has all this returning production. Something has happened here, and I don't know what it is. Kyle, let me start with you on this. What is going on with Ball State, and, and do you see anybody slowing down Army at this point? It's hard to bet against Army at this point. They're so efficient, so good at what they do. Uh, they're not this explosive offense. We know that they're an offense that gets four or five yards every single play, and it's really hard to stop. Um, you know, Army is 23rd in the country in offensive success rate. Ball State's defense success rate allowed is 118th. So we're expecting them to turn it around against an Army offense that is having success against nearly everybody. Um, I think it's hard to believe that Ball State's going to be able to stop them in this game. Now, I do have the total set at 49 and a half, so I lean to the over. I see someone in the chat asking about the total. Um, I don't love betting Army totals, though, because uh, over because they're 130th in tempo. And I'm so into what the pace of the game is that it's hard for me to bet overs. But I do lean to the over in this game. Uh, these two teams couldn't be too much different, uh, too much more different, because Army is 130th in tempo, Ball State's 15th. Uh, Army's running the ball on 93.6% of offensive snaps. I will note that Army can throw it a little bit more this year, like we've said. Uh, they're pretty good at it. Ball State, 50.2% of their offensive snaps have been passes. You know, Drew Plitt's A dot so far this year is six and a half. Um, you know, that's down from 8.1 last year. I think that's probably because the Ball State offensive line is not very good. Uh, kind of have to get rid of the ball a lot quicker. Uh, it's something that, that just is interesting to me that Army's defense has been able to be beaten by the big play. Uh, Army, 123rd in preventing explosive plays. Ball State ranks 122nd, 122nd in explosive plays so far this year on offense. They have just 13 plays of 20 yards or more so far this season. So they don't seem like an offense that would be able to take advantage of the fact that Army does give up some big plays. The matchups look solid to me here for Army. 
I wish this one was seven or lower and I would have been on this one as well. I think it might have opened that, but even at seven and a half, I lean army in this game. And I am kind of curious what Parker's thoughts are on that a dot being only six and a half for Drew Plitt. Yeah, Parker, let me get you in here. Uh, Ball State's offense, I saw on your site, cfb-graphs.com, number 123 in EPA per play. They were insanely more efficient last season than they have been this season. Now, part of that could be the schedule. They had to go to Wyoming and play in Laramie. Uh, that wasn't nice because it was certainly windy that day. And and they had to play at Penn State. So, of course, the schedule plays something into this, but they didn't look good against, I think it was Morgan State that they opened up the season with, or, or it was another FCS team, maybe. But they have not looked good in any game so far this year. What are your thoughts on uh, on Ball State? Well, Gary, I'm, we, we talked about this in the preview show because I, I did take the under on Ball State, I think, at five and a half. Um, and and, and the, my, my thought process was kind of, I liked Drew Plitt last year. I do think they hit their ceiling, and it does look like they did hit their ceiling in, in 2020. Um, they, they've been really, really bad in all facets of the game. In fact, Gary, in my kind of core stats – which, you know, I have this crazy preview of like 48 stats for each team. About about 15 of those are my core stats. Ball State is worse than 100th in 14 out of 15 in my key metrics. So um, really bad on both sides of the ball. This is kind of a uh, an interesting schematic thing because, like Kyle mentioned, Army is taking those three and four yards. And and as I mentioned, uh, or they are 107th on avoiding third downs. Uh Ball State's defense is 101st in allowing third down avoidance. So Army on early downs might be doing better than that than that three and four yards of carry, which is so interesting because the second that Ball State kind of moves and adjusts, Army's going to be able to go over the top, man. They're sixth in EPA per pass. Of course, that's weighted down by their selection and the fact they don't pass very much. But I absolutely think they'll be able to go um, and, and really just kind of bruise here. Their second Army is second in third and fourth down success on offense. Ball State is 52nd in in in, in allowing third and fourth down. Um, I really think that this is going to be a slow game. Obviously, Army 124th in early down rush rate. Ball State is 70th. And Drew Plitt and that A dot is just de de it's depressing, man. It was it was so fun last year. He's not getting pressured a whole lot. Only a 21.2 percent pressure rate. Um, they're 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 dropping the ball uh, under pressure pretty pretty heartily, which is hurting him. 28.6 uh, percent of his uh, pressured passes have been dropped. And overall, he's only completed 11 passes, 10 or more yards down the field. Ball State has no over-the-top offense. Um, their offensive line is just not not that great. They're having to keep other guys in uh, for protection. And I think Army's defense is, has been a little underwhelming compared to last year. But I think they'll feast and they'll be able to just put together these just brutal long drives. And so that 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 affects the total because I think that Army is probably truly you know 50 points better. Uh, than Ball State, but <laughs> the total here is going to be interesting just because Army is going to play these long drives and and Ball State can't pass the ball. So interesting to see. I think we'll see a lot of, um, you know, eight, nine, 10 play drives from Army and a lot of three, four, five plays uh, from, from Ball State. If Ball State scores, it's going to be a missed tackle big play, uh, which is not the position you want to be in against Army. I can trust it. So I, let's move to the official plays here. And I am the one that is going to make the official play. I don't care about the hook. I, my line is Army minus 10. I think they're going to win this by double digits. I, the hook does not scare me at all. Army wins this going away. Uh, give me Army minus 7.5. So with that said, why don't we go ahead and move into the next game. We're going to talk about another service academy. 6.30 p.m. Eastern time game. Air Force faces New Mexico on the road. 
Uh, Air Force, a 10.5-point road favorite. Total sits at 45.5. Air Force, 3-7 and seven against the number, their last 10 against New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico, 4-1 and one against the spread, their last five as a home dog. This total went under in 2020. But before that, the over was 7-0. Seven, oh, seven in a row for the over. It, you wouldn't normally expect that from these teams, uh, considering how much they like to run the football. But uh, both of them were able to get after it. The question here, can New Mexico slow down that Air Force rushing attack? They're only giving up 3.5 yards per rush. That's number 41 in the country. Kyle, let me get you in here. Uh, you know, it, what, what do we see with this total? Can Terry Wilson, the, the new quarterback in New Mexico, can he produce some explosive plays here? Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, uh, Terry Wilson is, <laughs> has been really weak so far this year. You know, at Kentucky, Wilson was really bad as a passer. You know, he can make some plays happen with his legs, but as a passer, very inefficient. Uh, so far this year, he is tied for 161st at PFF and quarterback grade with Jarrett Dagey. Um, you know, I feel like there's a Jarrett Dagey reference uh, every single day. I wasn't necessarily going for that, but it's just kind of a reference point to go back to from what we talked about <laughs> yesterday. Um, That's it. Hold on, hold on. You said 161st uh, tied with Jarrett, and, and there's only 130 FBS teams, right? Like, right this right. doesn't include FCS. This is right. So, not great. <laughs> not great. Yeah. Um, Wilson, to be fair to Wilson, there's been many key offensive players out here recently for New Mexico. They even had some guys out because of COVID last week. They're questionable for this game. Um, having said that, the schedule that they've played so far this year, New Mexico, it's kind of unacceptable that they are 4.52 yards per play. Uh, you know, it tells you a lot about this offense. What I do like about New Mexico is their defense is improving quite a bit. Rocky Long is a really good defensive coach. And time after time, year after year, we've seen Rocky Long's teams be very good at stopping the triple option. Uh, he is very used to playing against a team like Air Force. He's done a very good job slowing them down for many years. I think Air Force will get their yards in a game like this, but I don't think it'll be an explosive plays very often. I think it's going to be long, slow drives. Air Force 122nd in tempo so far this year, 86th for New Mexico. So uh, I think we see a very uh, slow tempo, a lot of running the football. Air Force runs on 89% of their offensive plays, which is actually a little bit higher than they've been in some of their recent years. I think New Mexico does a better job slowing them down than most teams would, and I don't expect much out of New Mexico on offense at all. Uh, to be fair, you know, this one was 49 earlier in the week, and I hate that this one dropped so much, but I still do like it at 45 and a half. I think that the line move is the right way here. My number was 43 and a half, so it's pretty far off my number to start with. Uh, ugly game here. I think there's going to be uh, quite a few uh, long possessions for Air Force that either end in a field goal or touchdown that just takes a long time. And then I think New Mexico is just going to struggle a lot in general. So I do like the under in this one. So let's move to the official play on this. And we've only got one. Kyle is riding with the under, like he just said, under 45 and a half. And I can get down with it. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, go ahead and give everybody a shout out that's in the chat. Mark Holmes, Heath Harrelson, uh, Steven, uh, Natalie's in there, Jerry Groves, all you guys. We certainly appreciate it. D Jackson, we appreciate you guys jumping in. We will have a Q&A at the end of the show. So make sure and jump in with the games that are not listed on the screen uh, so that you can, uh, you can get an opinion from us, even if we don't necessarily officially play it. Uh, with that said, we're going to move to another game here. And we've got a 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff between Liberty at UAB. The Blazers, a two-point favorite at home. The total sits at 49 and a half. Uh, look, this is their first meeting ever 
and and it is the grand opening of the new protective stadium, 47,000 seat stadium in the middle of downtown Birmingham. UAB 13-6 and 1 against the spread their last 20 at home. However, they are 1 and 4 against the number in their last 5. They have been a little bit overvalued at home here lately. Liberty 3 and 0 against the number their last 3 as a road dog, but they were 0-3 before that in that spot. They've covered six straight road games uh, before falling to Syracuse. Uh, quarterback Dylan Hopkins for UAB, 74.4% completion percentage. He's got seven touchdowns and one interception. The offense has really picked up for UAB with him at quarterback. I I love this UAB team right now, the way that they are playing. Uh, Kyle, let me get you back in here. We're going to leave Parker out of this one again. Kyle, give me your thoughts on this. I I love UAB here, and and this total, uh, these seem like two teams that could really make this a, a knockdown, dragout fight, right? Yeah, first, what a coaching matchup here. These are two of the G5 coaches that I would uh, really respect the highest, you know, as far as their coaching ability. I think these guys are just tremendous coaches. Uh, tempo in this game is very important. You know, I want to talk about pace first when I'm talking about a total. Liberty 121st in pace of play. UAB is 128. So this is out of 130 teams. They're playing very, very slow. Liberty runs the ball on 64% of plays. UAB runs the ball on 68% of plays. Both defenses are above average against the run. So we have two teams that are going to want to run the football a lot. Two defenses that are pretty good at stopping the run. And both teams are playing very slowly. That's the type of thing I look for when I'm looking for an under. I want a lot of running, moving clock, slow pace. We're above a key number of 49 here. So I do like this under. I think it's fascinating to me that Liberty only has allowed three plays so far this season of 30 yards or more, which is best in the country. Um, we thought of Liberty as an offensive team that you know had to kind of outscore people. And I don't think most people realize how much better Liberty's defense is compared to two or three years ago. Much, much better. Even in last week's loss to Syracuse, they only allowed 4.5 yards per play. Uh, they kind of looked shaky in the early going, and then they just completely shut down Syracuse in the second half of that game. Syracuse really couldn't move the ball at all. I think this is two smart coaches who are likely to want to control the football here, um, hopefully win time of possession, let the, let the clock dwindle, dwindle down, easy for me to say a little bit here. Um, this total, I think, is several points too high. I have this one at 45 points. So I like this one quite a bit. I don't know what to think of the side here. I would I would lean toward UAB. Uh, it's hard to bet against Hugh Freeze. They've been covering it at such a high rate. But I'll lean UAB, but I, I like the under in this matchup. I love the grand opening of the UAB stadium. Uh, I, there are going to be a lot of people. I looked at the tickets last night just to see exactly what the what the response is, and they are nearly sold out in a 47,000-seat wow. stadium. It's going to be insane. There's going to be a lot of love in a night game for the Blazers. Uh, another stat that I do want to bring up before we move to the official plays Liberty has only given up three receiving touchdowns this year. Two of them are two tight ends. UAB has a fantastic one. Garrett Prince has four of Hopkins' seven touchdowns, and he is a lightning bolt. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So pay attention to that matchup there uh, with the UAB tight ends against Liberty's defense. So let's move to the official play, and we've got two of them on this one. I'm going to roll with UAB giving up two at home. And Kyle is going to take the under 49 and a half. This all makes sense. Bill Clark, uh, one hell of a coach. Absolutely love it. Hugh Freeze as well. But I like UAB at home in this spot. Uh, reminder, 
go ahead and make sure that you like the video. I see a ton of people watching and not as many likes as we have people watching. So do us a favor and hit that thumbs up button. That would certainly help us out. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you know when we go live. Again, every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, jump in the chat. Q&A at the end of the show. I'll say it again just to let everybody know. Get some of these questions in. We've already got some in there. Uh, but we certainly appreciate you guys in the chat. And if you missed it, go back and check out yesterday's show. We hit a ton of games yesterday as well. Moving on. We're going to jump into another Big Ten tilt. Northwestern at Nebraska. Nebraska, a 12-point favorite at home, total of 51-and-a-half. Uh, last year, Northwestern won this game 21-13. to 13. Northwestern has won and covered three of the last four against Nebraska. Nebraska, two and six against the number of their last eight home games against the Big Ten. Northwestern, as an underdog, 15-and-2 against the number of their last 17 as a road dog. That is just ridiculous numbers. Parker, I, I got to get you in here because I feel like Northwestern plays the season a lot differently. This is one that I'm certainly going to stay away from. That number is way, way out there. Uh, Northwestern, once they get into conference play, it's like they do completely different things than what they did. They almost treat the non-conference slate as a preseason, right? Because they, I don't feel like Pat Fitzgerald thinks that they are ever going to win a national title at Northwestern. So he just takes his non-conference games, tries some things, does whatever. doesn't matter if you win or lose. What matters is the conference slate. They've done this like two out of the last three years. What What are your thoughts on Northwestern here as a 12-point road dog? That is a lot of points for the pace and the kind of defense that uh, Northwestern normally plays. Um, I have them right now at 76th in EPA per margin, 67th on defense, which is well below what you'd expect out of the kind of the average Fitzgerald team. But as we've talked about, you know, they go through they're they're as cyclical as any college football team. And they're definitely in a down part of a cycle right now. Um, the, the, the issue for me is kind of twofold. One, I think that Nebraska is a little bit ascendant just in the fact that Nebraska is uh, could have easily let their program just go off the rails um, early this season with a loss to Illinois. And they've looked uh, relatively decent. They're 23rd in EPA per margin or EPA margin, um, 30th on offense, 39th on defense. And, and, and so I think they're much more talented than Northwestern. And I think that they have some tools. Uh, then again, granted, one of their biggest sources of offense is Adrian Martinez scrambling in the run game and Northwestern's defense. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be as fooled about that. They're going to be prepared for that. There's a couple key matchups that do stick out. Can can Nebraska get a rushing attack outside of Martinez? They're currently 33rd. And again, a lot of that is um, in EPA. A lot of that is influenced by Martinez scrambling. N Northwestern's rushing defense is 92nd, 0.111 EPA per play per, or uh, on rushes, which is really, really bad. The other thing that, that, that flags me as, a, as an odd Fitzgerald stat here, uh, early downs EPA, Northwestern's defense is 90th in the nation uh, on first and second downs in EPA per play. Uh, Nebraska is uh, 30th. And so th th there's some opportunity there for Nebraska to kind of punch pretty heavily in the early downs. And then, you know, they're, they're, both teams are pretty even on, on third and fourth down success on both sides of the ball. One thing that I do think stands out 
Nebraska has had terrible starting field position and they've had a lot of trouble finishing. So they're getting quality possessions at a rate of 53.3%, which is 31st in the nation, but they're only scoring 3.08 points per quality possession, which is 88th. And so that's where you see some of this trickeration, some of this Pat Fitzgerald know-how on defense that might really, when the field gets short, Nebraska might really, really struggle. And so they're going to be looking to take shots and get explosive plays uh, to make sure that, that this game does not come down to the red zone defense. I'm staying away because I do think that both teams are very slow. Um, Northwestern 65th in, in, in early down rush rate. Nebraska is 92nd. So uh, the, the the pacing of the issues here, I think, are going to match up a little weirdly. And so I don't think I have a play on a, on a total or a side. I would, I would lean towards uh, Northwestern just because 12 and a half is so many points. But um, I, I don't know that I necessarily trust this Nebraska team to to win by two touchdowns. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel the same way. Kyle, uh, give me your thoughts here. I, the Nebraska defense has been much improved, and they looked great against Michigan State, even in a loss. Uh, the special teams issues, of course, reared their ugly heads with a late punt return for a touchdown. Uh, give me your thoughts on Nebraska Northwestern here. Yeah, I'll take the under in this game, and I, I promise I'm not going to take the under in every game that we talk about here the rest of the way, but I think this is three straight. Uh, for all the negative things you could say about Nebraska, the Cornhuskers' defense has actually been good. You know, I think they've impressed me quite a bit. Michigan State had 12 first downs last week in their win. As I tweeted out last week, Scott Frost's Nebraska teams now have quite the record of winning the box score and somehow losing the game. Uh, that's why I couldn't lay the points in a game like this because I think Nebraska is quite a bit better than Northwestern. In fact, Northwestern has looked pretty bad this year. But we find these uh, Fitzgerald games, especially as an underdog, he finds a way to kind of muck it up, make it an ugly game, keep it low scoring and close. I think he'll try to do the same thing here. I, th I think it's fair to say um, starting quarterback for Northwestern will be Ryan Holinsky in this game. And I think that um, Fitzgerald probably chose the wrong quarterback at the beginning of the year. Hunter Johnson, we already knew he was bad. I'm surprised uh, Fitzgerald went with him. But Gerald, I think, one of the best coaches that gets a lot out of his team every single year. Uh, but, you know, what do we think of this Northwestern team based on their win last week against Ohio? 35-6 to win. But Ohio, who used to be a pretty good team in the MAC, has been terrible this year, just awful. They lost to Duquesne after all. So I don't know that that win tells us very much. We're going to find out a lot more in this game. Northwestern's rushing attack has been pretty good this year on paper. But Michigan State... Indiana State, Duke, and Ohio isn't exactly a murderer's row of rushing defenses. Outside of uh, Michigan State, nobody else is in the top 100 in run defense. So can Holinsky beat the Nebraska defense? I want to see it before I actually believe it will happen because Northwestern doesn't really have very many playmakers on offense. You know, Nebraska's Adrian Martinez, he's a really good runner. He can make big plays. Like Parker pointed out, I'm concerned that Nebraska does a lot of this moving the football inside the 20s. And then they get down there and they have to kick a field goal or they turn the ball over. I think this is the type of game where that could happen quite a bit because Northwestern's been good at that in the past. And Nebraska is so weak at that to start with. Um, the tempo of these teams is about average, 56 and 44th. The lack of efficiency on offense from both teams, though, I think should negate the fact that they play slightly quicker than what I would like for an under. And, you know, this under is 51 and a half instead of something like 45. So we're getting a bit higher of a total. And I don't think Northwestern's going to score many points in a game like this. The only question is whether Nebraska can score a decent amount. I think this is one where Nebraska plays from the lead and is fairly conservative most of the way. I I tend to agree with you. Adrian Martinez has has looked good as much as 
we have kind of, I don't want to say degraded. Uh, we, we've, we've talked poorly about Martinez in the past, but he has looked okay. There are just spots where you wish that, that he could finish drives, et cetera. Uh, let's move to the official play on this one. We've only got one, and Kyle is going to roll with the under 51 and a half. Uh, we will see what, what ends up happening here. Again, Northwestern every now and then uh, comes out looking completely different once they get into conference play. That's uh, They're going to have to look completely different to be able to get a win here for sure. So the under 51 and a half is the play. Let's go ahead and move into our next game. In this one, big matchup, uh, the ESPN primetime game, or ABC primetime game, excuse me. Indiana travels to Happy Valley against Penn State. Penn State, a 12 and a half point home favorite. The total sits at 53 and a half. Indiana, of course, if you watched college football in 2020, you saw the two-point conversion that reached out. Michael Penix headed down. I, It's it's interesting what happened. I, I don't know if he actually got to the goal line or not, but we'll see. So Indiana won 36-35 in overtime last year. Indiana has covered three straight against Penn State. Penn State goes to Iowa next week. I don't know if this is a look-ahead spot. I doubt it because this is a bit of a revenge spot for the Nittany Lions. Uh, Indiana was 7-0 against the spread as road dogs between 2018 and 2020. However, they went to Kinnick this year against Iowa and lost 34-6 as a 3.5-point road dog. Uh, so that puts them at 0-1 in this spot. Uh, Penn State number 24 in net points per drive. Indiana number 92 in that spot. Uh, Penix, of course, we've talked about how terrible he is under pressure. You know, uh, Parker, I'm going to bring you in on this. I, Penn State feels like the right side. It feels like James Franklin would not be afraid to tack on a few extra points here. Uh, they should have won that game last year. I think their postgame win expectancy was like 95%. It, do, they, do they feel that in this game, or are they looking ahead to Iowa? What, what would be your take on this? Of course, last year, it's important to remember, one, uh, COVID year is always weird. And two, uh, Penn State scored when they shouldn't have. They had the ball. There's there's a little bit of time left, and they, and they just should have they should have gone down. And they scored. And classic situation. You get a little ding. Also, I I personally believe Michael Penix was out last year. So yes, they did have a uh, a positive <laughs> post game win expectancy last year, and and a couple of rough breaks for for Penn State of that magnitude. One thing that's interesting with Penn State is you start to look at their wins this season, and I mean. Auburn's not very good. Auburn was st struggling with with a Sunbelt team last week or Cusa team. Um, and uh, and overall, I think Indiana um, is 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 pretty poor. I think Penn State's probably better than they've played, but Penn State has had an issue where they've kind of played down to who they're playing. So Indiana, 113th in EPA margin. Penn State is 21st. I have a, a huge gap there. And the key is that Indiana's passing offense has or defense has. Um, just really not been that good. 70th overall, whereas Penn State's been 25th. They've really found Dotson downfield pretty well. Uh, Sean Clifford, which is entirely different from what you would have expected last year, uh, is is they're doing a really good job of getting Sean Clifford the ball in manageable situations and then letting him go over the top. You see in that Wisconsin game, he had two deep threats uh, against Villanova. They were working on it. And so I think the deep threat is there, and that's going to keep uh, Indiana honest enough that, that Penn State should be able to get some rushing offense going. Right now, Penn State's rushing 101st in the nation. Indiana's rushing defense is 89th in the nation, though. So this is a, a very solid Penn State defense, a Penn State offense that was really underwhelming last year and is still kind of working out some kinks this year. But I think that they are a lot better than their um, 
than their uh, wins have shown this season. And I think Indiana might be a lot worse. Indiana is so one-dimensional on offense. Uh, Penn State is 14th in the passing game, and they were able to make Bonex really uncomfortable in uh, their their game, their last Power Five game. Uh, and so I think that what's going to happen here is again, I'm trying to not say Michael Penix pressure. That's like the key word. I'm like, I know, I know, you guys know, <laughs> you know that I know. I don't need to say it again. But I think that Penn State's defense is going to be so disruptive. I don't expect much out of Indiana. Ty Freifogel, great receiver. Maybe they'll connect on a deep shot here or there. Twelve is a lot of points, but I do, I do lean towards Penn State here. Um, I, I won't play it because twelve is a lot, and I have questions about Penn State's offense. But I'm pretty optimistic that Penn State gets the revenge win. And- convincing fashion do do you have a number for uh, a pressure rate or havoc from penn state i know their sack rate they're number 122 in the country only 2.42 percent sack rate so i'm i'm kind of curious about it because I, I i didn't look it up i should have uh but when you started talking about it and, and of course Penix with the pressure i i am curious i if they're not able to so, i know they did against Bo Nix. I know that they got some pressure on Bo Nix. I just don't know what the number is. Their their PFF grade for pass rush, which is probably the easiest thing I have here without you know pulling up the pulling up the database and everything, uh, seventy point three, which is uh, very bad. Like Texas Tech, Rice, Indiana's right there. Louisiana Tech, Memphis. So, um, pretty pretty underwhelming. They I mean they got that transfer from Duke, whose name I'm going to forget. That's been pretty disruptive along the interior line. But remember. Uh, Sacks are often a quarterback stat. I think I said this yesterday. I feel like I'm a yeah. parrot just repeating this. I'm sorry. But and so a lot of that is all you can do is create opportunity um, for for sacks. And then it depends on what the quarterback did. So, for instance, against Auburn, Penn State pressured Bo Nix on one in four uh, passing attempts. And Bo Nix did not get sacked once, but he threw away the ball twice under pressure. And then he completed 25 percent of his passes. So the. You know, he didn't get sacked, right? And you would like those negative plays, but uh, a, a forced incompletion is still a zero, right? It still makes that that worse. Right. So th- there's probably someone who knows more about the technicalities of defensive line than me who can who could refine that a little bit. But generally, high pressure rate, high disruptiveness on on uh, the offense or defensive line is is not always going to translate into sacks because quarterbacks control so much of that. But it is going to translate into negative plays, zero plays, forced incompletions, opportunities for turnovers. Yeah, and they do have enough talent in that linebacking core that they can actually manufacture uh, any any kind of pressure that they want from any side. Do you of the feel field, good so about sure Indiana's will. offensive line against any Power Five team right yeah. now? <laughs> not in the I mean, slightest. Kansas, maybe. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel great. Not, not in it, the so. slightest. Uh, Kyle, let me bring you in here on this. I I just don't think that Indiana has. I guess the the Southern way to say it is the horses to be able to keep up with Penn State in this spot. I think Penn State, not that they'll score at will. But with that deep passing threat that they now have with Sean Clifford and new offense coordinator Mike Yersich, I feel like I feel like they're going to be able to do pretty much whatever they want to in this game. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's any way Penn State looks past a game like this based on the way they lost last year. I think this is a game that Penn State's really up for. If they can pour it on, they might do it here because uh, I know that game had to hurt quite a bit. Indiana's offense so far this year, very weak, 111th in yards per play, 121st in explosive plays. Um, you know, like Parker says, Penix under pressure is definitely a thing. Um, he's going to be under pressure a lot against just about everybody. They only had 5.5 yards per play last week against Western Kentucky. Uh, they won that game despite being uh, 7.2 yards per play to only 5.5 yards per play. 
So Indiana uh, really has not looked very good in general this year. I think it's highly unlikely Indiana is going to be uh, successful consistently against this Penn State defense. Penn State 15th in yards per play allowed. I think they've been a bit weaker against the run than I would have expected, but Indiana's rushing game is nearly non-existent. And then you have Penix getting pressured constantly. Uh, you know, Indiana's defense has been weaker than I thought they would be so far this year. And I, I think they might still be a bit better than their numbers look. They're just 105th in havoc rate, which is certainly disappointing. They've Their opponents have 14 trips into the red zone. They have 14 scores, 10 of them for touchdowns. So positive red zone regression likely for the Indiana defense. If I had to bet the total, I'd lean to the under. And I'd certainly lean Penn State minus the points here. I think this is a game that they could win going away. All that defensive havoc left Bloomington and went down to Mobile, Alabama with Kane Womack, <laughs> my friends. That's what happened. So the official play on this is we don't actually have one. We don't feel confident either way. It, it's a lot of points for Penn State. I would lean Penn State. I'd, Kyle said he would lean that way. Parker would lean that way. And Kyle would lean the under. But we're not going to make it an official play. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one. We're going to talk about an ACC tilt here, Boston College. Heads into Clemson, South Carolina. The Tigers, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. This line was at 16 just yesterday. Just crazy line movement on it. The total sits at 46, and Clemson's offense is putrid, fellas. Just awful. Clemson did win this game 34-28 to last year. Jeff Halfley doing wonderful things at Boston College. BC looking at some of the betting trends. Three and four against the spread as a road dog since 2019. Clemson two and six against the spread. Their last eight as a home favorite. A lot of overvaluing with the Tigers here. They are 0 and four against the numbers so far in 2021. Clemson has a bunch of injuries. Running back Will Shipley, defensive lineman uh, Brian Breesey, uh, defensive lineman Tyler Davis, uh, linebacker James Skowski. Uh, I think he's going to play, but uh, what percentage is he at? Parker, give me your thoughts on on BC and Clemson. Is Clemson really as bad as they have looked thus far? Gary, I think that if you took a blind resume and ranked them, there's no way that you would put Clemson in the top 25 right now. It's entirely brand recognition. They are a mess. For, for explainable reasons, they've got some injuries. They've got some schematic stuff that just hasn't clicked with the personnel, but they are not good, and they are getting the benefit of the doubt by still being in the top 25. I have them at 102nd in raw EPA margin. 122nd on offense. The good news for Clemson, the defense has still been very good. Uh, 13th in EPA per play allowed, 20th against the pass, 16 against the rush. They're only allowing uh, a quality possession rate of 40%, which is 21st in the nation, and they're only allowing 2.43 points uh, per quality possession. Gary, think about that. If you get a first down across the 40 against Clemson, you're barely getting a field goal. That's ruthless. And so I do think that for all Clemson's offensive ineptitude, their defense uh, has been has been relatively pretty good. I think we've seen that with with Georgia being able to put up a bunch of points since their game. Um, but generally, I do think that this is a, this is a good opportunity for a get right game for Clemson. And I, I do trust that Dabo Sweeney and his team have the potential to get right and drop 40 on Boston College. My numbers don't project this. My numbers have this total of 45 Boston by by a half a point uh, Boston College by half a point so I'm staying away from this because in my gut and in my heart I'm like look I don't love Clemson this year I said I wasn't going to pick them for the national championship they're not really inspiring me their offenses look so bad they are so much more talented than Boston College but 
121st in EPA per pass, 115th in EPA per rush, um, uh, 120th in early downs EPA, and uh, 112th in offensive points per drive. So just anemic offense. Boston College, on the other hand, is 57th in defense. They, you know, Connor Basilak's pretty decent, but the uh, rest of the teams that they have played have been really, really bad. Temple, Massachusetts, and an FCS game, I think, to start the season. Um, and so... Boston College hasn't really been tested with the sheer athletes that Clemson has, and that would make me worried. We were worried about uh, the Phil Phil Jay, whose last name I can never pronounce, who was hurt. Are they going to look good? And they, you know, they came out against Temple and looked pretty decent, um, and, and got a win at Missouri. But I am worried. This this offense is only 34th in EPA uh, per play against a really bad slate of teams, and on early downs they're 85th in the nation. They're ninth on third downs. So when you see that asymmetry between early down EPA being really, really bad and late down uh, conversion being really, really good. That suggests that maybe your offense is on, is is walking a, a fine line between actually being good and just being good on third downs versus bad teams, which are entirely different things. So this one is interesting just because um, I think that there's a world where Clemson gets right on offense. They, they, they go as a two loss team to the New Year six and they beat the heck out of somebody and ruin somebody's season. I also could see them, you know, losing losing a couple more games if they can't figure it out. So this feels like the turning point in Clemson season between, hey, are we having an off year where we're in the New Year Six, or are we talking about big picture stuff of our, with our program? I initially was going to stay off of Boston College the rest of the season. As soon as Phil Dracovich went out, I'm hoping that I say that correctly. Uh, but once he went out at, at quarterback, I thought, all right, Dennis Grossell, not great. And then I watched him play against Missouri. And Missouri does not have a good defense at all but i felt a lot better about it and when this line came out at 16 clemson being the favorite i said clemson would have to score 16 points they just lost their most talented running back they had another running back that transferred out that was the backup they lost both of their starting defensive tackles i, I don't i don't know how clemson flips a switch now would it surprise me if it were to happen this weekend when i finally decide to bet against them no because that's the way that this thing works but <laughs> I, I do think BC is not great, but I think they are good enough to keep this thing close. And I trust Jeff Halfley enough as a coach on the defensive side and with what they're doing on offense. Uh, I believe it's uh, Signetti is the offensive coordinator. I, I feel really good about them being able to stay within this number. Clemson would have to, to win by 15. That means they have to score 15 to cover 14 and a half. I don't know that I can trust them to do that right now. DJ looks like a mess. This offensive line is awful. I think Boston College actually has some players. I'm going to make it an official play. So let's move to the official plays. And I'm going to take Boston College plus 14 and a half. I think they can keep this thing close. I thought that last week against NC State was going to be the get right spot. And it wasn't. Clemson coming home. Maybe this is what does it. But when you've got so many guys injured, et cetera, I don't know how, how that fixes itself miraculously overnight. In one week, I don't know that you can fix all that. So I will roll with the Eagles plus 14 and a half. Gentlemen, that's going to move us. We've got three more games. Let's go ahead and dive into a one that I absolutely love here. Louisiana, a 13-point favorite on the road at South Alabama. The total sits at 53. Now, Billy Napier, of course, the darling of the G5 coaches out there. Uh, he has interviewed and whatnot and turned down so many SEC schools, I, I can't even begin to explain it. Uh, Louisiana, one and four against the spread since 2019 as a double-digit road favorite. South Alabama, five and zero oh in their last five as a 10-point home dog. 
South Alabama, of course, coming off of a bye. They have not looked great. Uh, last year, Louisiana won this game 38-10. to 10. This is – it's a little bit surprising that this line keeps moving the way that it does. I think it opened up at 11, and now it's all the way out to 13. Parker, I, I want to get you in here on this. I, I feel like South Alabama is better than than the final scores have been in their games. They only beat Alcorn State by seven. They beat Bowling Green, which looks like a better win now that they have that win over Minnesota. Uh, but they beat them by three. And, of course, they had the, the molly whopping of Southern Miss at the beginning of the season. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on these numbers. The surprising thing about South Alabama for me is that they really haven't been able to get Jalen Tolbert going. Even against um, Alcorn last week, he he caught one pass that was longer than 10 yards down the field. Um, and so I think that I was high on Tolbert. I think he's a talented guy. I think he'll go to the NFL. Their offense, for whatever reason, Jake Bentley has just not been able to get him the ball. Jake Bentley on the season hasn't been very good um, with 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 deep balls, and I think they were expecting him to work out a little bit better than he has. And so that's one of these matchups, Gary, where a team like uh, a team like Louisiana on both sides of the ball in the trenches. We saw what Louisiana was able to do against Texas. Um, we see what they were able to do against uh, Alabama or excuse me, Iowa State last year. A team like Louisiana should beat a team like South Alabama, but South Alabama has this dynamic wide receiver that can play with anyone. And so if they can get Jalen Tolbert going, uh, this will be an interesting matchup for me. Uh, overall, I do I do expect Louisiana to win this pretty heartily. Um, and and so I'm not entirely sure that uh, South Alabama can do anything to to kind of stop Louisiana outside of um, just scoring points, and they've struggled with that. Uh, they are 107th in net points per drive. They are 102nd in field position on offense. They are 96th on early downs, uh, avoiding third downs, and they're 103rd on early down EPA. Again, um, I, I just think that this offense was was on paper was supposed to be better than it was coming in. Uh, Napier's team, they struggled a little bit on defense, some of that's opponents, uh, and but I do think they're they have a coaching advantage. I do think they have a talent advantage. It'll be interesting to see if um, you know Napier's Napier's offense has been or defense has been susceptible to the pass a little bit. 93rd in EPA per pass. If if South Alabama can exploit that, if they can get Tolbert going. Um, after a bye, they've got a ton of time to scheme, a ton of time to rest up if guys are hurt. That, that'll that be uh, the interesting matchup to watch here, but I expect Louisiana to win this um, comfortably. I am not going to agree with you. Uh, now, you, you <laughs> did not mention one stat that is on your website, cfb-graphs.com, South Alabama on offense. Just, just overall EPA per play, number 41. I know that you said all these negative things about early downs, et cetera, but... 41 EPA per play, and Louisiana number 72 EPA per play on defense. At Louisiana's defense has not been as good thus far this season as I thought they would be. I've watched them multiple times, and not just the Texas game. My goodness, they looked awful against the FCS team, Nichols, that they played. They, they did look great against Ohio, but Ohio lost to Duquesne, as we have mentioned on this broadcast. So I don't know exactly what to make of it. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm going to go with South Alabama in this spot. 13 points. It seems like there's just too much love for Louisiana in the spot. Let's make it an official play. We'll go ahead and bring up the graphic because I I am in with the Jags. And, and Drake MMA jumped in. He said Gary loves him, some South Alabama Jags. I do in this spot for sure. South Alabama oh, plus 13. 13. This is too many points. 
Yeah. Gary, 13. I thought I had this. I thought this was seven and a half. I may have looked at my number wrong. I feel way more comfortable. I, 13 is a lot different than seven and a half. Okay. All right. 13. Yes. My, my line on it was actually Louisiana minus nine and it keeps going the opposite way. So I I'm going to take South Alabama to cover this spot. So I'm all in on it. I am all in on it. I expect it to be a little bit low scoring and I think South Alabama can score just enough to hang within the numbers. So uh, that will move us into the last two games. Go ahead and remind everybody, jump into the chat, uh, and we will have a Q&A at the end of the show. Auburn heads to LSU, a Baton Rouge night game. The Tigers, well, both of them are Tigers, but the LSU Tigers are a three-and-a-half-point home favorite, juiced at minus 105. The total sits at 55-and-a-half. Auburn has lost 10 straight in Baton Rouge. They are 2-4 and four against the number in their last six down there. LSU 4, 5, and 1 against the number in their last 10 as a home favorite overall. Auburn 2 and 6 against the spread their last 8 as a road dog. Auburn whipped LSU last year 48 to 11. It was not even close. It was maybe Bo Nix's best game as a quarterback. And, and now he may not be the quarterback. The question here is whether or not Bo Nix or TJ Finley, the LSU transfer, is going to start here. Kyle, let me bring you in. I. Looking at this just from a, a eyeball test, right? Auburn can run the football on LSU's defense. LSU's defensive line is not good at stopping the run. For whatever reason, Mississippi State had 40-something yards rushing in the first quarter last week and then ran away from it because that's what Leach does. He throws the ball. Teams have had success pushing around this LSU defensive line. Tell me about this game. What do you feel about the Tigers and the Tigers? <laughs> Yeah, you know, who starts at quarterback for Auburn here and does it really matter that much? Um, I think it's a fair question to ask. Auburn was very, very fortunate to win that game last week against Georgia State. Um, a very bad call by the SEC officiating crew. I don't blame Georgia State's coach for being really upset about that review where they called it a catch. Uh, it was clearly not a catch. Two teams I have plenty of questions about here. Auburn hasn't beaten anyone good. LSU has been really inconsistent. You know, LSU's defense hasn't been very good against anything, passing, running, anything so far this year. Having said that, I don't think Auburn's offense is very good. They have put up some nice rushing stats, but against bad opponents. Um, you know, to me, the question is, what's the deal with Auburn's defense? Auburn's defense before the year, we thought that their secondary was going to be top five, top ten in the country, and maybe their defensive front would be a bit weaker. And now if you look, Auburn looks – very questionable in the secondary based on the stats so far this year and their defensive line's been amazing um i don't think auburn's defense is great they haven't played a great schedule lsu very pass heavy they haven't been able to run the football this year 57.1 percent of plays a pass mainly because they have to 2.86 yards per carry on the year so far um, how can lsu move the ball against a talented uh, auburn secondary that really hasn't played that well I think I'd rather sit back and watch this game, but I will say it's very important that this is a night game at Baton Rouge, like Gary said at the beginning. You don't get a better home field advantage than a night game at Baton Rouge. I don't trust Auburn in a spot like that, so if I had to lean here, I'd lean toward LSU. I, I tend to agree. Like you said, two teams with a lot of questions. Uh, Parker, let me get you in here. Tell me about LSU. What is there, I guess, to like about this team right now? <laughs> 
So I think LSU's game against Mississippi State last last week was uh, kind of a, a proof of concept of a team that can kind of play middle-of-the-road football and be better than opponent they're more talented than. I think they're more talented than Auburn, and uh, I, I think that Auburn is – worse than the numbers and the eye test show Bo Nix um, just absolutely falling off. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they start Finley just because, I mean, you got to, you got to jumpstart the engine somehow. A couple stats that I think will define this matchup. Uh, LSU's EPA per pass has been 119th uh, on offense. Uh, Auburn's defense has been 39th, but if you look at their opponents, it, it is really not good. So if you're just up for opponent both ways, I think these uh, pass defenses are really, really matched up decently and I, I think that I actually tend towards LSU's athletes over Auburn's defense in the secondary like Kyle said um, LSU is having a little bit of trouble creating opportunity they are, are 70th in uh, quality possession rate whereas Auburn's defense is 13th again opponent adjustments matter here and so I, I but once LSU is getting in the red zone they are scoring pretty decently 40th overall in points per quality possession 3.83 the kicker here for me about LSU's offense against Auburn's defense that uh, LSU is 11th in third down avoidance, whereas Auburn's defense has been 77th on third down avoidance. They are not forcing third downs very often. And um, that's going to give LSU the opportunity to breathe a little bit and try and bump up some of this offense, which uh, overall has been um, pretty, pretty decent. Um, on the other side of the ball, I think that uh there's not a lot to like about this Auburn offense, given what we've seen from them overall. Uh, they, they are successful uh, in the past, 15th overall, but in EPA, they're 41st. So again, when you see that asymmetry between you're moving the ball consistently, uh, but you're not very explosive and you've played kind of a weak schedule, I'm saying, man, you're not very good. Like those numbers are inflated here. So give me the night game at home. Give me LSU um, being a little bit more talented. Give me LSU's schedule kind of, uh, bringing down their numbers, whereas Auburn's is 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 inflating theirs, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think best case scenario for LSU, Bo Nix starts, and Auburn makes a QB change halfway through, uh, just because that kind of is maximum chaos here. So I like LSU minus three and a half at home. Um, I I don't think this is going to be a very fun game. <laughs> it is going to be it is going to be a meaty game. Yeah, that that does make sense. All right, let's move to the official plays. Parker is the one that's going to roll with it. He is taking the LSU Tigers at minus three and a half at home against Auburn. I, I could I could see it either way. I could see it either way. I don't have a lane because this is chaos to me. This is going to be nuts. Baton Rouge night games are a lot of fun, but this one could be wacky. Absolutely wacky. Uh, again, everybody, make sure that you like the video, hit the notification bell, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. We've got one more game that we're going to do our Q&A. Last game of the day, Washington at Oregon State. Washington, a two and a half point underdog on the road the huskies uh good gracious total of 57 and a half washington two and three against the spread their last five against oregon state but they are three and oh against the number of their last three in corvallis uh, that's kind of surprising because corvallis is typically difficult to play in uh, oregon state 13 and five against the spread their last 18 as an underdog jonathan smith has improved looks fantastic uh, the oregon state defense is actually somewhat impressive. I mean, they're number 22 uh, in opposed or uh, sorry, opponent yards per rush. I, I did not expect that from this defense this year. I, Kyle, let me, let me go ahead and get you in here. I, I don't have a lean on this game because the fact that Oregon state is favored shocked me. 
a little bit. And and maybe I shouldn't be because from what we've seen from Washington so far this year, I'm just not used to seeing uh, the the favorite being Oregon State in this matchup. What do you think about it? Yeah, this is a flip favorite game, too, because this one opened um, Oregon State plus two and a half or plus three most places. So a massive line move, obviously around zero, it's a little bit easier to move. But still, uh, Oregon State minus two and a half, it tells you there's some really influential money here that likes Oregon State. That would be the side I'd have to take if I took a side here. If you look at Washington, uh, their strength of schedule, according to Sagarin, 43rd, Oregon State 87th. Still, it impresses me a lot to see Oregon State plus 1.87 yards per play margin this year. That's 26 best in the country. Washington sits at plus 0.56. Look, the Huskies could have easily lost to Cal. That was a, a fairly fortunate win for them. And uh, Gary alluded to this just a minute ago, but Jonathan Smith can coach. This guy's a really good coach. Like him a lot. He's done a tremendous job. Washington's offensive numbers, if you just look at their offensive numbers, they lie so far this year. This is a, a unit that is, has not been good. The Huskies average 4.0 yards per play, 5.0 yards per play, and 5.3 yards per play against everybody not named Arkansas State. And Arkansas State, they rolled up 598 yards, 7.2 yards per play. Now that sounds really impressive, right? You say 7.2 yards per play, nice job. And then you realize Arkansas State has given up 7.89 yards per play on average for the season. So actually that wasn't that good because Arkansas State's number 130 and yards per play allowed. So this Huskies offense has not been good. They have 15 plays of 20 yards or more in four games. You know, I think Oregon State clearly has the better offense here. Washington has a, a solid defense, but I didn't think Oregon State's pass game would be as good as it's been so far this year. I knew they'd be good at running. They always have a good running game. Uh, I think the, their schemes with Smith as a head coach are very good in the run game. Seventh best offense in the country, according to PFF which is just insane. It's hard to believe they've been that good. Sixth in success rate. Uh, Chance Nolan's been far better than I thought he would be at quarterback here for Oregon State. Uh, look, uh, you know, Washington is giving up 4.46 yards per carry so far this year, which is 95th in the country. I'm not convinced they can stop Oregon State here. The more I looked at this one, I think Oregon State can run the football here. Maybe they don't even need to throw it that much. So, I agree with a flip favorite here, and I would lean toward Oregon State. I can side with that. Parker, I know you got some thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, these numbers are, are pretty crazy when you look at them. It, not what we would expect from either of these teams. Give me your thoughts on the Beavers and the Huskies. This is definitely where you see a rebuild program like Oregon State kind of turning a corner because the talent gap that is still there between them and Washington is not as big as it has been in the past, even though it is still decidedly favoring Washington. And especially at the quarterback position, Chance Nolan, eighth in the nation, Oregon State's quarterback in total EPA, whereas uh, Dylan Morris is um, is there in the in the 60s. They've just had a really, really bad um, start to the season, and I don't think their offense is very inspiring. Um, I, I mean – I like Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator. I don't know that I love Jimmy Lake, the the head coach. And so I, I do kind of lean towards Jonathan, Jonathan Smith there. Uh, Dylan Morris, 44.2 uh, QBR, which is 87th in the nation. If we look at some of these complimentary matchups that I like, um, Washington can't stop the rush for anything. 100th in the nation uh, in EPA per rush allowed. Oregon State, 28th in EPA per uh, per rush. And then Oregon State's defense hasn't been amazing. It's 77th, but their offense has been 16th. If you look at Washington's schedule, um, they've, they've let worse quarterbacks than, than Chance Nolan do a lot worse things to them. 
Oregon State rushing a whole lot, and so I expect that that rushing asymmetry to matter. Um, 62nd in early downs uh, rush rate. Was, uh, Washington uh, is rushing at a 43.8 clip. Um, they are not entirely sure what they want to do on offense because they haven't been moving the ball well. If you look at that um, Arkansas State game too, I think they had a long pass of like 49, 32, 38. And then outside of that, they really didn't break anything big against the team. They were vastly more talented than. Uh, a big thing that I think will matter is Washington's been pretty decent at preventing opportunities to score. Uh, they're 25th in quality possession rate. Oregon State's offense is only 40th on offense, but when Oregon does get across the 40, they're closing at an extremely high rate. 6.17 points per quality possession. That's second in the nation. If they get close, they are scoring. That's a testament to Jonathan, Jonathan Smith. That's a testament to Chance Nolan at quarterback. Washington is allowing 5.08 points per quality possession, which is 91st in the nation. So I think the game is actually going to be decided in the open field because if Oregon State can get across the 40, they could put up points. Um, on the flip side, another thing that stands out, Washington has been terrible on early downs on offense, 91st in third down avoidance, and um, they are 109th in EPA per rush on offense. So I think that Washington is extremely sluggish. I think that uh, Oregon State is a lot more uh, of an exciting team here and I, I you know what i'm trying to i'm trying to live my life a little bit and and, and bet more late uh pack 12 games and just in, inject a little bit more fun into my saturday night so i like oregon state here i can roll with it let's make it an official play parker is going to side with the beavers here taking oregon state minus two and a half i uh i like it i mean i would lean that way certainly it, it looks weird to see the minus on oregon state side like i said but uh, the way that they've played, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Gentlemen, let's jump into the Q&A. We have got uh, a bunch of people in here. Corgi Small, Drake MMA, uh, James Lil, Jerry, uh, Mark Holmes, etc. We appreciate all of you guys jumping into the chat. We've got a few that uh, that have been curated for us, people that have been uh, asking questions. He asked, uh, Gary, do you consider Cincinnati an explosive team? Um, I believe that they can be an explosive team. I don't know that they will be against Notre Dame, but that is just my opinion. Um, you know, I did. <laughs> I, I'm not totally certain on the numbers, but I do feel like they can be explosive. They do have athletes. Uh, Jerry Groves asks, what do you guys think about Western Kentucky at Michigan State? Uh, he said, I like Michigan State minus 11. Sparty has looked good so far this year. Should I lay the points and bet this game? Um, my line on this was actually Michigan State minus 14. Kyle, uh, I know that you've been with me on the Western Kentucky bandwagon, this this may not be a spot. I think they put everything they had into that Indiana game. I don't know if they will be able to stop the run of Michigan State on the road. What, what are your thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, I would think Western Kentucky can score some here, but I don't know that their defense can come up with enough stops to stay in this game. The only thing that makes me concerned about laying the points with Michigan State is Gary knows this. Western Kentucky's great with the backdoor cover. You know, they, they can, they're going to keep playing all the way to the end. I hate to lay a lot of points going against them. So I'll lean to the over as far as that game. That certainly makes sense. Uh, Parker, I had a question in here about South Carolina and Troy. Uh, it's a seven point line right now. I believe it, it opened, I think at nine. Um, this uh, Troy got beat last week by Louisiana Monroe by like two touchdowns. I, I don't know what to make of this. Troy does have talent on the team, but my goodness, I have complained on the show about Troy's coaching inefficiency uh, forever. I don't like what Chimp Lindsay is doing with that team, but 
also don't know exactly what to make out of South Carolina having a non-conference game right here against a somewhat talented team. Parker, you got any thoughts on this one? I was at least encouraged that South Carolina was uh, able to be annoying against Kentucky last year for all of their offensive struggles. They are pretty decent on defense. I have them at 17th in EPA per play, but this offense just does not look like it can score. And 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 Western or not Western Kentucky, excuse me, Troy has been pretty decent on offense. Um, uh, you know, looking looking pretty okay at. Um, uh, I guess I guess that I, I that number is is 70th. So kind of middle of the road on offense. I take that back. Um, the, the the matchup here for me is that Troy has been able to kind of stop people on on defense generally 16th in the nation on defense. And if you look at these passing numbers, I mean, South Carolina is in the bottom uh, 10 for passing and rushing. And Troy is 29th against the pass, 17th against the rush. Again, there's a big talent advantage. I think there's a coaching advantage with with Shane Beamer. I think that South Carolina has a lot of um, uh, I, I, it's just good to come off of a solid game like that. I don't know that there's uh, like their game against Kentucky. I don't know that there's a, a look down, a look ahead effect. They've got Tennessee and Vanderbilt next. And so I do think that this is an opportunity for South Carolina to say like, let's get the offense right before we get back into SEC play. Let's, let's get a little bit of confidence. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of staying away from this because again, the asymmetry between talent favors South Carolina, but the asymmetry and kind of scheme favors Troy. So I, I don't know that I have a lean here. I think that I would, lean towards South Carolina, but again, I'm, I'm, my uncertainty is pretty high around this game. Uh, Drake MMA asks our thoughts on Ohio State and Rutgers. Of course, Kyle has got the Ohio State hat on today. Uh, what, I believe the line is 15, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it may be it's somewhere around 15. I know that. Uh, this is different than, of course, Michigan was favored by 20 over Rutgers and then only, uh, only won by seven, I believe, a touchdown last week. Now, of course, Ohio State by 15 on the road in uh, Piscataway. I, I, Kyle, I kind of like Ohio State in this spot because I think they've got a lot more playmakers that can actually get the ball in space and do some damage against Rutgers as opposed to what Michigan was able to do. Uh, do you kind of feel the same way? I have no lead on this game at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I, do, I don't trust my Buckeyes at this point. Um, they've disappointed in general. I don't think that defense is fixed. Um, I think as far as power ratings, you would have to lean Ohio State, but I hate to lay that many points on the road with a Buckeyes team that I feel like has too many question marks to be laying a lot of points right now. That that does seem to make a lot of sense. It, Ohio State, one of those juggernauts from early in the season that uh, has not impressed thus far. But again, I do feel like they got more playmakers. Uh, James Lill asks, can we talk about UCLA minus three against Arizona State? Um it, does anybody want to jump in here? Because I I don't know which way to go with this. Arizona State is so weird this year. <laughs> Every year, forever. I actually posted this one. I, I thought about picking this one. I, I had a lean. Let me um, grab my number here. Uh, I have this within three points. I have it slightly favoring Arizona State. Um, and, and generally, that just comes down to uh, UCLA's pass defense has been pretty susceptible, 96th in EPA per pass. And on early downs, UCLA is 97th overall, whereas Arizona State is 40th. Um, one thing that will be interesting to look at, uh, Arizona State is 80th in rushing success rate and 89th in EPA per rush on defense, whereas UCLA is 18th in EPA per rush on offense, and they are 14th in offensive success rate. They want to run the ball. They want to be slow here. Um, I, I think that a field goal feels right because it, it's kind of a mismatch of styles. Um, and so I think I would lean towards UCLA just because I don't trust Arizona State 
even though the compliments here kind of match up well um, for, for UCLA with their rushing ability on offense and Zach Charbonnet looking so good. So I think I would lean UCLA, but I backed off of it again just because UCLA has laid an egg at, at prime spots this year and Arizona State is just an, just an odd team. <laughs> I don't want to bet. I don't want to bet teams that weird me out. And Arizona State weirds me out this year, man. I feel the same way. <laughs> feel the same way. Uh, Heath is asking uh, Gary, what do you consider the biggest upset this week? Uh, I will have to. I will have to think about that. Here's here's what you can do. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Hunter Picks. You can follow Parker at Stats of War, and you can follow me at Gary WCE. Uh, any questions like that? We can absolutely hit on Twitter for sure. We've gone a little bit long, but let's go ahead and wrap this up. Let's jump into the picks recap for the day, and we will go ahead and tell you exactly who we've got. Parker has only got two picks today, and I think that's smart. I think that's okay. LSU minus three and a half at home against Auburn, and he's taking Oregon State minus two and a half at home against Washington, uh, going with the, the short home favorites. Always a pretty good idea. I tend to like that. Uh, my picks on this, I got four of them today. Army minus seven and a half at uh, Ball State. We've got UAB minus two at home against Liberty. Boston College plus 14 and a half on the road at Clemson because the Tigers cannot score. And South Alabama plus 13 at home against Louisiana. Kyle has got three totals for us today. Going Air Force, New Mexico under 45 and a half. Liberty, UAB under 49 and a half and Northwestern and Nebraska under 51 and a half. Uh, gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. I know that we've gone long, but I enjoy this so much every week. We only do it two days a week. So I, I, this has been a lot of fun today. A lot of fun today. Remind everybody, make sure you are subscribed to the channel. We do this on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. But when you subscribe, make sure and hit that notification bell so it will let you know when we are going live. Also, Make sure and jump into the comments. We want to hear your thoughts on the games. So on each one of these videos, make sure and tell us what your picks are. We want to know. We want to know what's up. Maybe we can get some kind of contest going. I probably should have talked to the uh, to the bosses about that beforehand. But maybe we can do something like that in the YouTube comments. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll figure all that stuff out. But, yes, yeah, share the show out. Tell your friends. Make sure and like the video. That certainly helps us out. All these things are tied to algorithms and whatever stuff way above my head. But if you would do us that favor and make sure and jump in the comments and like the video, that certainly helps us out. Remind you again, sign up at BetUS where the game begins. You can sign up with the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to get you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500. And guys, it is sportsbook exclusive. I can't stress it enough. I've told you every show, go and sign up now before this thing goes away. It is a big-time deal. It's going to help you out. we got a whole season left to go. So go ahead and get signed up. I think that that is going to wrap us up, gentlemen. This has been a lot of fun this week. Two long shows. We've talked about a lot of games. We appreciate everybody that jumped into the chat here. You guys are awesome. I can't say it enough. So with that said, let's go ahead and get out of here. We will see you all again for BetUS, where the game begins next Wednesday. <laughs>